I began my Linux journey 16 months ago with only one certainty. I did not want to use Windows for the rest of my life. I've remained in a constant state of exploration and discovery in the pursuit of finding that forever distro. You know, the one to rule them all. The perfect Linux OS that's stable, checks all the feature boxes, slides effortlessly into every scenario, and is just plain fun to use on a daily basis. I welcome you to episode 16 with a sobering and unexpected conclusion. My forever distro, it doesn't exist. Linux for Everyone starts right now. Γεια σας από την Ελλάδα. Είμαι ο Μιχάλης και ακούτε την εκπομπή Linux for Everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Linux for Everyone, the show about desktop Linux, open source software, and the community creating and enjoying it. And my God, have I been enjoying it this week. So as we always do, let's kick things off with the discovery of the week. Now, right off the bat, I want to thank patron and listener Paul M., who put this awesome tool on my radar. It's called Grub Customizer. I've spent a year and a half almost uh, using Linux and just accepting that default text-based grub screen. You know the one. If you have multiple operating systems, it'll uh, show you the default one up top, and then you might have a system setup option, advanced options for booting into recovery mode and a, a backup kernel and things like that. It's not by any means offensive, but it's not exciting either. Well, gang, don't settle for boring anymore. Grub Customizer is a GUI-based tool that lets you completely overhaul your Grub screen. So the basics are there, like being able to choose your default OS or not even showing the menu at all. And it will, before you generate the configuration file, it will look for other operating systems. So if you need to update Grub, this is a good way to do it. You can also get rid of the recovery options that show up if you are so inclined. You can choose uh, how fast it will boot your default OS and uh, just all kinds of stuff. But where it gets really fun is the appearance settings, okay? Now, I think Grub Screen typically defaults to something like 840 by 620 or, you know, something in that, in that resolution range. Well, you can make it 1080p, 1920 by 1080 if you want. You can customize the font, the font colors. You can add a full-resolution background image if you want. And you can even add multiple themes. So you can set like three or four up, and when you just feel like making a change, just load that one up. It's really that simple. Um, I, I, you know, I don't have a lot to say about it except for the fact that it's completely amazing, and it's very easy to install. The only hard requirements are that you'll need to add a PPA, courtesy of the developer Daniel Richter, and you'll need to be able to install a .deb package. Beyond that, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's so cool. I actually, <laughs> I have actually been rebooting my uh, my laptop quite a bit more now, just just to kind of see that and marvel at it. 
Yeah, so the tool is Grub Customizer, and you can find a link to that in the show notes at Linux, the number four, everyone.com. All right, coming up later on this episode, I have a super fun interview with Zeb, aka Zebedee Boss, from Destination Linux fame. And we're going to be talking about primarily Peppermint OS and why I started using it, what I used it on, what impressed me, and uh, Zeb is coming along for that ride because he has been a fan of Peppermint for years, and he's the one who put it in front of me and suggested I use it. And yes, we're also going to tackle that that rather ominous intro about uh, Forever Distros. But first, let's do some housekeeping. Okay, there are two big things for you guys to know about. The first is that my birthday is coming up on November 17th, but it's not really my birthday I'm excited about. It is the birthday special episode of Linux for Everyone. So my birthday's on the 17th, and episode 17 is going to be a community AMA. Ask me anything. Doesn't even have to be about Linux. Go outside the box if you want. Go nuts. Just keep it tasteful. So if you want to submit a question, you have until November 9th. And I will have a link to a online document that you can ask your question in, in the show notes at linuxforeveryone.com. But what would be really cool is if you could submit an audio question. If you want to do that, record it, it doesn't matter, on your phone with a professional mic, any way that's convenient for you, send it in any audio format that's convenient for you. The email is linuxforeveryone at pm.me. That email again is linux for everyone at pm.me. Look at the document first, though, just so that your question isn't a duplicate. And there are already so many amazing ones, and I'd, I'd love to hear yours. I'm going to try to answer as many of them as I can. So hit those show notes and do the thing. I'm really looking forward to it. And something else for you to put on your calendars is the Destination Linux Network Community Game Night. That kicks off November 9th at 7 p.m. Central European Time. Now, time zones suck, okay? (laughs) But basically, for the U.S., that's, I don't know, roughly between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. But what's cool is this time around, we did not want anyone to miss out regardless of where you are. So I'm going to be kicking it off over here in Europe and Zeb will be streaming, and I'm sure a bunch of other people will be streaming as well. We're going to be playing uh, Rocket League and Counter-Strike Go and whatever else comes up. And then once I get exhausted, probably about 11 p.m. my time or midnight, then Michael and Ryan from Destination Linux are going to take over and play for another several hours. So wherever you are, I hope you get a chance to, uh, to tune into the streams or just participate with us directly. It's going to be a blast. I know I'm hitting you with a lot of links today, and I apologize, but uh, it'll all be at Linux, the number four, everyone.com. Or, of course, you can go over to discourse.destinationlinux.network and keep tabs of what's happening on our DLN forum. And if you're already subscribed to my YouTube channel, I'll be streaming it there. I'll also be streaming it on Twitch. Uh, just keep an eye on Twitter, Telegram, the show notes, the forum. We're going to get the information out there, so don't worry. November 9th. I'll see you guys there.
So my very special guest this time around is the Peppermint Man, Zebedee Boss. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, Jason. Very, very pleased to be on the show. So Zeb, before we get into kind of our main our main focus here, I would love to hear your Linux origin story because I personally don't know it. I'm sure you've shared it <laughs> all over the place and may, might be tired of telling it, but uh, I'm sure there are also a lot of people who listen to this show who who don't know about you and haven't heard that story. So lay it lay it on us. Okay. Um, well, I guess I, I first started playing with let's use the word computers because there's a different. Um, section of computers but back in the early 80s when I bought myself a BBC Micro um, and I guess that's when I learned I was never going to become a programmer because to sit there spending hours typing out all this code just to try and get say something like the simple word hello on the screen to find out that you'd missed a semicolon or a speech mark or a bracket and then having to scroll back through the 2,000 lines of whatever. Nah, that's not for me. So I knew at that stage that I was only ever going to become um, a user. And I guess my very first PC I bought was an old Amstrad 1512, which I was able to upgrade to a 1640 by adding another floppy disk. That was in the days when we had those big five and a quarter inch monstrosities and there was like 64 of them to install office or something it was <laughs> it was it was a crazy time but, but the thing i liked about the 1640 was because you had two you could have the second one in ready so that when it asked for it it was already there and then you took it out so it was a bit of time management to get it all installed um and then let's flick forward way way into the mid 90s when i was working for a company in an it department and there was a couple of the guys there were saying look rob you've got to by the way, my, my, my real name is Robert, so I'll sometimes say Rob and I'll sometimes say Zeb because <laughs> I wasn't Zeb gotcha. back then. Um, and they'll say, Rob, look, we've got this Linux. You really must give it a try. And I looked at it and thought, yeah, that looks interesting. And these were like uber geeks. These were the guys that had been to university and college and got degrees in computer science. And I was just a bus driver from Peckham. So I gave this thing a whirl and it was like, okay. I don't even understand the instructions, so we'll give that a miss. Skip forward about three or four years, um, and I tried it again, and it was still a case of, I just don't get what they're trying to tell me. And now we have to really skip forward, I guess, to about 2009, 2010, when I first finally got uh, Ubuntu installed and I got to like it and I st stuck with it a while and then I found Linux Mint and then I found PC Linux OS so even back then I was a distro hopper why were can I ask you why do you know why was it just curiosity um I have a very short attention span so when I get something working I'm like okay that works great I wonder if this one works as well so I then just go and try it. And I think, well, no, that one didn't work as well. So I'll go back to the next one. And I get bored again because everything's just working. And I go back to another one. But back then, fortunately, it didn't just work. So I didn't hop as much as I hmm. do now. Um, and let's get it straight. What I do, I don't class as hopping because now, and I'll get onto that in a moment, Peppermint is my main OS and everything else is just me playing with another OS to see if I can find out anything that's good. Does it do anything better? Um, and just to keep my eye on the ball for, for Destination Linux, etc. Going back to my journey, back in the 2009-2010 era, I was still of the opinion that Linux was for geeks. 
You had to spend hours in a forum deciphering what the guys were telling you to get your, pl- your camera plugged in and working or to get your phone plugged in and working or to get a printer working. It wasn't easy for me to do that. Let's leap forward again to 2014 and bingo. Everything Ubuntu-wise for me just worked. And 2014, I guess, was my golden year and I'll call it my year of the Linux desktop because that's when I suddenly thought I don't need Windows anymore. I didn't drop it because I support the family. But back in 2014, I guess I was 90% Linux and just dipping into Windows when somebody was asking me a question about it. And again, we'll fast forward again to 2015, and I discovered this wonderful little OS called Peppermint OS. Um, And back there, it was version 6, and it was based upon LXDE. And the one thing that I didn't like about it was the menu system. So I was overjoyed with Peppermint 7 when it turned into... The Whisker menu, which was by far a better menu system. And even back then, everything just worked. And I remember Mark asking me to test my particular laptop to install Peppermint and to leave Secure Boot back on. And back in September 2015, Peppermint worked with Secure Boot. So for me, that was another Mm. reason to stick with it. And I've, I've stuck with it ever since. I'm um, a member of the forum. I'm one of what we call the trusted user groups, which means we get to see the new distros when they come out and do some testing. Um, and I'm now fortunate enough to be part of the, what I guess I'll call the inner circle of maybe 10 people who help uh, the main developer, Mark Greaves, decide on the way forward. Wow. So I, I have to ask you, how big is Team Peppermint? I guess... Active members, um, there's probably five or six in the inner circle. And then we've maybe got a further 20 or so trusted users. But I, I will reiterate again, although we help Mark make the decisions, he's the, he's the guy who, who put it all together. And we do the testing in the background and, and letting him know whether something works or not. We check the spellings on the websites and all those sorts of things. We would like more trusted users, but we're not just going to pick somebody willy-nilly because they turn up and ask. They have to have been a member of the community for a while, shown themselves to be um, an active member and sort of know what they're talking about. Because sometimes you do need someone who's less competent to test something because we think it's easy. So now let's just give it to a user. Can they do what we're asking them to do? So on the what about the developer front? Is it is it just Mark and and then some community contributions? Um, yeah, uh, Mark Greaves is as I say the main developer. Um, I believe there's still a, a gentleman called Brian Tomlinson who may be involved in helping um, some of the background um, programming stuff and little components that we've got. Um, and I believe just recently um, Mark was able to get the, the help and services of somebody who, and I can't remember his name, I do apologize, but I think he works predominantly on Linux Mint um, and he's agreed to help Mark again with some of the tools and utilities that we're now um, putting in the Peppermint Control Center. Well, so we should probably get to why we're talking about Peppermint here. So I have this Asus Vivo book and it's, I guess I would describe it as an ultra budget laptop. You know, it's a very meager Intel dual core CPU. 
It's got four gigabytes of RAM and a 64 gigabyte uh, eMMC flash storage. And I think you can probably pick one of these up for, I don't know, maybe 150, 160 US dollars, something in that range. And it's, um, I think it's a 12 inch screen, you know, 1368 by seven something. So Mm -hmm. it's not even full 1080p. My original goal with this machine was to test out the Windows 10 side of it and see how responsive it was, see what it could actually, could you actually use this comfortably without it just driving you mad? I think what had happened is I had posted some uh, results, like some idle memory usage and, and you know, power drain and, and things like that on our Telegram group. And you instantly said, you need to throw peppermint on that thing. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I looked into peppermint a bit and, you know, the screenshots look nice. And then I discovered it's using LXDE desktop environment, mm-hmm. which I had never touched didn't know a thing about it. All I knew is that people didn't seem to talk much about it. You know, you always hear about KDE and GNOME and and um, XFCE and maybe Budgie sometimes and Pantheon and Deepin, but I just didn't really hear my community talking much about LXDE. But to me, that was an opportunity, right? Okay, let's let's take your advice. Let's dive into something brand new. And so I slapped Peppermint 10 on this thing, and it only took up about seven or eight gigabytes of that very small 64 gigs of storage, whereas Windows 10 out of the box took about 21 or 22 gigs, mm-hmm. which is almost half of the storage. And so that was a big consideration. That's that's something that I would imagine, you know, Windows users who aren't Linux users yet might appreciate. And then I started looking at idle system memory consumption. And it was, I mean, it was nothing compared to Windows 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Windows 10 was something like 1.2 gigabytes, and Peppermint was maybe 400 megabytes. And so I started going between both operating systems and just stacking on tasks. Let's launch Telegram. Let's launch YouTube and stream something. Let's open up Spotify. Let's just, you know, open up all this stuff and see at what point things start really struggling. And that did not take long with Windows 10 on this little machine. (laughs) Yeah. Peppermint, I have this video on the Linux for Everyone uh, YouTube channel that shows like OBS recording the screen, um, Telegram open, two different Firefox tabs, tons of stuff open. And it's just, I'm all tabbing between them all. It's just super responsive, super zippy. I'm like, I really like this. Mm-hmm. And, and I like the way it looks out of the box too. I didn't feel, I guess I had that preconceived notion that we get you know, with like XFCE, right? People pretty much acknowledge this doesn't look great out of the box. You, you're you going to want to do some tweaking and customizing. Sure. But I didn't feel that need at all with Peppermint OS. Long story short, that is now my distro of choice for this little Asus Vivo book. And I wrote an article up at Forbes and I don't know, it's got like 150,000 views. It just exploded out of nowhere. Nice. Then I also put it on my XPS 13 which is, you know, as you know, considerably more powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The XPS 13 is the device that was my gateway to Linux. I got that machine from Dell to do a Windows review. And in the process, I got so frustrated with Windows on all of my machines that I ended up installing Ubuntu on it, and the rest was history. And I loved Ubuntu on that machine. It runs just fine. 
but I didn't realize how important something like Peppermint OS was until just this week when I threw that on there. You think you think a lean like a lean distro is awesome on an underpowered machine? Wait till you put it on something with some real horsepower behind it. And so I I I, I tweeted this out last night, and this is by no means a scientific measurement <laughs> or anything. But the XPS 13, I know it sounds insane. I, I have a lot of laptops, and that's pretty much what I play Magic the Gathering Arena on because mm-hmm. it has a touchscreen. And that's kind of like my you know Netflix and Magic playing machine. I could normally get through about seven, eight Magic the Gathering matches on the XPS 13 with uh, Ubuntu before the battery would crap out. On Peppermint, I got through about 10 matches, and the battery was barely... At 50%. Wow. And I know, like I said, that's not scientific, but that really does demonstrate the value of, especially for laptop users, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a lot more to say, but I have been on this monologue for a while, so I kind of want to hear about about your experiences with Peppermint. I've never tried to run it on really old um, hardware, so I can't speak uh, for myself, but I've always used peppermint since 2015 on the hardware that i've owned now before i got this amazing threadripper and 2080 ti i used to run it on an i7 6700k with a um, a 1070 ti and again it was blisteringly fast on there um and i think that is what the original developers um wanted to do now one of the things that people always talk about peppermint is they go oh it's a a cloud agnostic operating system it's only meant to be used um in the cloud and that is so far from the truth but its origins were the two original developers shane and kendrell realized that these web-based apps were going to be taking a lead on everything so back in Mm -hmm. 2010 they created peppermint um, and they came up with this ice application which is basically a single site browser that takes away all the paraphernalia of a web page and just presents you with what you think is an application switch off the internet and that application doesn't work now the big thing that people forget is it doesn't matter with peppermint because peppermint is an ubuntu based install with various bits and pieces stripped out. So if you want to install OpenOffice, if you want to install Mahjong the game, if you want to install GIMP, you're perfectly capable of doing so because it is a fully-fledged Ubuntu-based laptop. Now, back in the day, it was, as I say, based on Lubuntu. Um, But even then, Shane and Kendall realised that there were certain bits and pieces that they could take out because, hey, I'm the developer... I have no idea what you, the user, are going to use your operating system for. So Hmm. why should I force GIMP and Office and everything else down your throat? Let me give you a fully functional operating system, and then you, the user, decide what you want to put on. And that's something that, that when Mark Greaves eventually took over, he decided to keep that philosophy. Um... And it's one that we still hold true today. We get so many requests in the forums. Oh, why don't you install this? Why don't you install that? And this and then you name it, people want it in Peppermint. And our answer has always been because you're one voice. 
there may be another thousand people who don't want it. It will take you 15, 20 seconds to install it. You talking about it blisteringly fast on newer machines and faster computers. Because people think it's a cloud-based OS, they don't try it. And if only they would, like yourself, they would find an excellent user experience. And I I certainly will back up what you're saying here. I mean, to me, I I harp on this a lot, but I think that comes down to a marketing problem. It's something that we've been trying to dispel um, for ages and ages and ages. But even if you go back over the last three or four years and watch YouTube videos, they always start off by saying that even on even on the latest version 10, that, you know, Peppermint 10 is a cloud-based distribution using um, uh, an LXDE, XFCE. They've got that bit right now at last, hybrid desktop. Um, because the only things that we're still using from um, LXDE is the um, LX appearances and LX settings. Everything else is just that modular stuff being linked together. So, even on our website, we're slowly trying to remove the word cloud-based. Um, and we and we do try and mention in there that it works just as well on a brand new computer that it does on an old computer. But but people will see, still see it as a lightweight operating system that will fire up your old computer very well. And you're right, a marketing push maybe would would help change that. Well, there's certainly a marketing push happening at Forbes at the moment, <laughs> so that's good. Just need to build on that a bit. Yeah, that's appreciated. Um, you know, I, I just actually popped open my uh, my Vivo book, and I wanted to mention something. It was a bit unexpected and a bit cool. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about that ICE program and, and how that basically, I guess it sort of containerizes a web page and, you know, strips all the fluff out and strips all the extensions and stuff that you might have loaded up out. When you boot into Peppermint for the first time, if you go to the office category in the Whisker menu, you'll actually see Gmail, Google Calendar, Google Drive, Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, OneNote, and Excel online. You open those up, and I I believe it opens up in one of those ICE windows. Mm -hmm. And once you're logged in, it just appears like an app. And it's it's fast and responsive, and I like that they included that stuff because a lot of people might want to switch to something like Linux or like Peppermint OS, but they don't really want to leave the the Google or the you know Microsoft Office ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is a really cool, um, I think, a thoughtful touch that they've they've put in here without having to load down the size of the ISO and and bog the system down. Sure. Um, That was actually quite a lengthy discussion uh, within the Peppermint forums as to whether or not we should include that. But like you, we came to the opinion that, well, it is only a link. If people don't like it, it's a two second task within the ICE application to remove it. But what we wanted to do was have this minimal desktop experience but one that gave you full functionality. And you can look through the Whisker menu and there are scattered around lots of the ICE applications just to get people started. So if they wanted to connect their phone and open up and edit an image um, in the graphics section, there are some links to online graphical tools. So again, we are not making a choice 
for the user as to what you should be using. This is just a convenient link. Once you get to know Linux a bit better and you understand how things work, you can then either make new links to the software that you would like to use or like a regular Ubuntu distribution, you can download them with Synaptic, the command line, or the package manager that comes with um, Peppermint. So we get a lot of flack because they think we're in bed with Microsoft and they just can't get over the fact it's a link. That's all it is. It's a web link. And I think it doesn't Manjaro do the same thing with at least the uh, the Microsoft Office apps. Um, or they did. They did at some point. That might be before they, they partnered up with Free Office. Yeah. And look at the flack they got just because it was a proprietary piece of software. I mean, come on, boys and girls. I mean, we wouldn't have had the additional functionality put into Manjaro had they not taken that step. Well, so I think my my takeaway after about a week of using it is Peppermint feels like Ubuntu, but it's just really, really lean and, and snappy without, I think, the compromise that a lot of us expect when it comes to appearance, because mm-hmm. it looks really good. And the, I swear that I love the default wallpaper on Peppermint 10. Yeah, Carl Schneider um, is an excellent graphic designer. And this is the second release that he's provided us um, wallpaper for. And we're happy to say that he's probably going to help us out on the next release as well. But a lot of that snappiness um, comes down to Mark's decision not just to take Lubuntu or Ubuntu and skin it, but to really get down and find those applications that he thinks works well together. So you have this Lubuntu LXDE base. You then have the Whisker um, menu. You have the Mint updater. You've got the Cinnamon Nemo file manager. Why? Because Linux is modular. And I think a lot of people have started to forget that as these wonderful desktops like KDE and GNOME and Budgie and all the and an X, even F, XFCE come out. And everybody thinks that to, to have a Linux desktop, you have to be honest and true to the developer's desire for you to use GNOME. But why should you? It's modular. So if we suddenly like something out of GNOME and it fits in well with Peppermint, why shouldn't we use it? And people have said, we've got a Frankenstein desktop. I'll live with that because it works so well. I had no idea there were there were so many different elements into it. I mean... Yeah, no, there's all sorts of other stuff. Wow. In there. Even so much so that we've got the GNOME software sensor and the Mint software sensor because they both handled um, snaps and Flatpak differently. Uh, we may We may try and... Um, conglomerate all those together because again one of the other things that we get accused of is why have you got so many software packages and the simple answer is why not not software packages but software managers and the simple answer is why not it just works and it it takes up very very little space if you don't want to use the gnome software center don't if you prefer the mint use that instead so i want everyone to keep this section of the conversation in their mind the you know the modularity of Linux, because we're going to come back to that after I talk about another story that happened with Peppermint. So ever since I started down this amazing Linux journey of mine last year, I've had this this mentality of, you know, finding the forever distro, the perfect distro. 
So I took that mindset with me when I was installing Peppermint OS on the VivoBook and after I installed it on the XPS 13. And I naturally went to, well, I've got to put it on my Oryx Pro. I've got to put it on my Falcon Northwest Talon. And I actually put it on a bunch of laptops. And I took this photo of like Peppermint on all of them, mm-hmm. right? And it, that that photo is a, is a perfect depiction of this mentality that, that I've had. And so I thought, well, step number one is going to be finally trying something other than Pop! OS on my Oryx Pro. Mm-hmm. Now, those, those two naturally go together, but I work away from the wall quite a bit with my Oryx Pro, and I saw the battery life gains that, that were happening on my other two laptops. And so I thought, well, it looks great out of the box. If I can make, can I make this my daily driver on an Oryx Pro? Let's find out. Well, as it turns out, this is much more difficult than you would think. What happened when I installed Peppermint 10 on my Oryx Pro is that there was some really extreme power usage. I should make a long story short and just say that I wasn't having the same experience on my Oryx Pro with Peppermint 10 as I was having with Pop! OS. And, you know, there, there's obviously that synergy between the hardware and the software because there's, there's elements to Pop! OS, you know, that are designed to maximize the, the battery life and the power management and things like that with their own hardware. And I desperately wanted to capture that on a different distribution. And so one night earlier this week, Mark and I sat on Telegram and this guy spent three to four hours with me. I was, I was like humbled. I was blown away by this. Because he wanted this to work as much as I did. And he was doing research and I was doing research. And so he came up with this, this whole recipe, right? He's like, okay, what you want to do is you want to install Peppermint 9, but don't download any updates while you're installing it. And then once you boot into the desktop, you want to install the uh, Pop! OS repositories because that will pull in the System76 driver, which is a bunch of packages surrounding power management and uh, NVIDIA hybrid graphics switching and things like that. So we tried all these different combinations of things, doing that and then upgrading to Peppermint 10 and then um, manually installing the NVIDIA driver, removing it, purging Nouveau. I mean, we did (laughs) all of this stuff, which is completely the opposite of the experience I like to have. But in a way, it was fun. I had the, the lead developer of this distro that I love sitting there virtually beside me, helping me out and not giving up. Unfortunately, it didn't work. What normally happens with the new NVIDIA driver, like 4, 3, 5, and and higher, is they have that beta support for Prime now. And Prime is the Linux version of being able to switch between your Intel integrated graphics to save power and between the dedicated NVIDIA GPU to get a lot less battery life, but a lot more performance out of gaming and graphics applications. Now with Pop! OS, they have a little widget for that. And if you're on System76 hardware, all you have to do is just click that widget and go, hey, switch to NVIDIA High Performance or switch to Intel. You reboot and you're done. But the NVIDIA settings also allows you to do that. Now, it will allow you to switch between on-demand, high-performance, or Intel power saving. And so I 
was using that tool. But guess what happens? And Mark, there's not a happy ending to the story yet, but Mark actually came back to me this morning and he said, I think I found a solution. So there's the System76 power package. It actually replaces the NVIDIA Prime package. So I was seeing that constantly high power consumption because if you have their power management package and drivers and repos and stuff installed, that takes over. If you go into the NVIDIA settings and make that switch, nothing happens. Mm. So he told me that all you'd have to do is just issue the command um, in a terminal. You know, sudo system76 power graphics Intel, graphics NVIDIA, graphics hybrid, and then it works. So then you get the the leanness and power efficiency of Peppermint 10, with all of the power management and, you know, secret sauce that you get on Pop! OS with System76 hardware. So that is the final step that I have to try. And I didn't have time to do that before, before jumping on with you. But I tell this story to illustrate two things. Number one, it never ceases to amaze me how somebody like Mark can get into a Telegram chat with a random guy and help him for three hours straight and then continue helping him after he gives up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that, that just blows my mind and kudos to Mark and, and everyone like Mark who, who takes the time, you know, on a, on a Friday evening to, to help somebody out with their distribution. For for me, that just um, personifies um, who and what Mark is. He will do, exactly the same sort of thing but on the on the peppermint forums and he'll go backwards and forth and backwards and forth and you might end up with 15 to 20 pages of instructions where they've tried this that didn't work they've tried that that didn't work and he very rarely gives up and and when he does he always tells a user but leave it with me um i'll get back to you i think what you're what you're alluding to here, and I'm, and I'm finding it very much so as well in the Linux community, is that we are blessed at the moment with a lot of people out there who work on Linux in their spare time and are willing to spend hours helping individual users. I think it's just awesome. Yeah, I, I, I just find myself without words at the, at the generosity of that. So, Zeb, the second point is that this whole experience started to change my mindset. Like, I think I'm done searching for that forever distro, that perfect distro, because Linux is so modular. I wanted Peppermint on everything. This might not work out on my Oryx Pro. I don't know that yet. But that's okay. Maybe something flashier and, uh, and different like Kubuntu will work. Maybe in the end, Arch will work better for me on that system. But imagine a world where... You know, I could I could have stuck a much leaner, trimmed down, faster version of Windows on this old crappy Asus Vivo book. Well, that that world doesn't exist for Windows users, but it does exist for me and for us. Mm-hmm. The magic of all of this is that you can adapt it for your own needs. Absolutely, and I think it's it would be virtually impossible if not. No, I'm going to say it is impossible to have one distro that will work the way you want it across 
a raft of different hardware. There will always be something that will stop that particular distro working because you've got this network card or you've got that chipset or you've got that particular type of mobile graphics card. Um, Mm -hmm. Eventually, hopefully, we'll get some more help from NVIDIA on the Optimus and Prime side of laptops. Um, And maybe the manufacturers themselves will get better at making the information available on how to switch between the two easily. Because what always blows me away is we're sitting here and we're using this software. Someone has had to sit down, decipher what the actual hardware does, and then write code for the software to work with it. And that is just mind-blowing for me and something that I learned way back in the 80s. I was never going to get anywhere near. So I am eternally grateful to people like Mark Greaves and Dolphin Oracle Mm -hmm. of MX and Eric Dubois of Arco. And I could keep on naming these people who produce distros. These guys are phenomenal. And maybe maybe another moral of the story is that um, I really wish there were more all AMD laptops for Linux. (laughs) Hey, who let Ryan into the conversation? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was, um, it it was a, it's still kind of fresh for me. It's kind of this revelation that I made this morning as I was sitting here thinking about what to discuss on this show and, and how I've been approaching this, this peppermint experience. And it's been, it's been really refreshing to realize finally who cares if I can't stick peppermint on every device I own? Mm-hmm. It's okay. We don't have to be on this eternal hunt to find this magic distribution that's going to just solve all of our problems because that's the brilliance of Linux. This whole peppermint thing has been crazy. I just, it was never on my radar. And then once it hit my radar, thanks to you, I was obsessed with it. And I'm still, I'm learning so much more about it. You know, the the whole Frankenstein nature of it is, uh, that was surprising. Mm -hmm. It's one of those little distros that once you find it, you'll never forget it. We just need a a few more people to find it and realize, hey, yeah, it is pretty good and it does work. But it's like all of these distros. It's never going to work for everyone, which is why you don't necessarily see me evangelizing on all of the outlets that I'm on. You must use Peppermint. No, you use the OS that works for you, but do yourself a big favor. Give Peppermint a go. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, Zeb, thank you so much for for taking the time to join the show and and talk to me about Peppermint and share your experiences and stuff. Uh, Is there anything that you want to pimp out, tell people where they can find you and and chat with you? Um, Well, you can certainly find me on the um, Destination Linux Telegram group. Um, And I'm also on the Linux for Everyone Telegram group. Um, You will find me hanging out on the Destination Linux Network um, discourse, as well as Discord. And yeah, if you've got any questions for me, you'll also find me on the Peppermint OS forums. Um, and, it, and it's been a, it's been really great fun talking to you this morning. And I'm, I'm really pleased that we're getting a bit of a, a high profile um, exposure for Peppermint because you say you're just one guy who's using it, um, but you have a marvellous audience and your Linux for Everyone Telegram group are so responsive and so positive um, that, yeah, I think I think good, good things could come out of this. So thank you very much, Jason, for inviting me on. 
Well, everybody, it is almost time to say goodbye, but we can't do that without another song from the source. This time around, it is a repeat performance from Unfa. You might remember him way back from episode three. The guy is amazing. Not only is he a really talented electronic musician who uses all open source and all Linux, but uh, he also has a ton of tutorials on YouTube explaining how to master the various elements of audio production. I really encourage you to check it out if you're the least bit curious. You'll know, of course, where to find the links, but you can also just search the web for UNFA. He's actually busy working on his next album, but I wanted to shine the spotlight on another track from his previous one. Now, a warning. Pay attention to this one. This one's not entirely work safe. There is a bit of language in it. It's kind of sprinkled in. It's not very upfront in the mix. But just to be safe, you might want to listen to this with headphones or just listen to it by yourself or with anyone who won't be offended. The track is called Anti-Feature, and it is a super, super nerdy, very Linuxy electronic jam. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll see you next week for episode 17, which is the special Ask Me Anything episode. Remember to get your questions in. Remember to show up for the game night November 9th. And as always, take care and take care of each other.
about it. You can fucking do it.